This week on Neighboring, we're going to kick off a couple of part series. Uh, last week, I was invited to go to Louisville, Kentucky by Greater Fort Wayne, along with about 50 other community leaders, whether they are business leaders, uh, civic leaders, nonprofit organizations, community development organizations, um, or government officials. As we continue to see Fort Wayne grow and develop, a lot of us are having really great conversations and uh, have a desire to learn from other communities to see what they're doing. And Greater Fort Wayne has been organizing these kind of vision trips and inner city visits for a number of years and t- going all over the country. And uh, they try to alternate uh, every year with a trip that is kind of close proximity so more people can go. And so I was fortunate enough uh, to be able to go on this trip and kind of learn from what uh, is happening in Louisville, Kentucky. So I thought what would be great is to take neighboring on the road. So many times on trips like this, you get wrapped up in really fantastic conversations as you get to know some of your uh, associates in your own community, as well as uh, getting some getting opportunities, as well as processing what you're learning as you go. And so let's take neighboring on the road is the thought. And so we did. On the way down, I met with a number of people on the bus, um, some new people and some people that I knew, and just asked them what were their, what they hoped to learn, um, why they were going, what their current understanding of neighborhood development is, and what they were looking most looking forward to. And on the way back, uh, I met with all of the same people, whether on the bus ride back or uh, a couple days later, we sat down and talked, and what stood out? What what were we learning? Um, what connections did they make while they while they were there with people they met with and or uh, other people from Fort Wayne that got their attention in terms of what they're working on? So the next couple of episodes are going to be kind of a breakdown of those conversations. We'll have part one that is kind of the intro and introduction to some new friends, and part two will be kind of on the way back what we were learning and then there will be a few subsequent episodes with various leaders more in a long form of Fort Wayne people that are doing kind of more comprehensive community development that I met on the trip that I think would be really great um, for the neighboring concept in the podcast so stay tuned over the next couple of weeks as we break down our trip to Louisville and continue the conversation on what makes a healthy neighborhood healthy. Well, this episode of Neighboring Podcast is going to kick off with uh, my friend Ellen Cutter. Um, Ellen is a vice president at Greater Fort Wayne. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks Ellen. for having me. We are staring out of this what seems to be a two-story window on a giant charter bus on our way to a new city, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Obviously, Louisville is not new, but it's new to many people on this bus, especially in the format in which we're going. Uh, where are we going, Ellen? You're in charge, or your team is in charge of taking us on this bus trip. So introduce yourself and let us know where we're going. Yeah, so uh, I serve as Vice President of Economic Development at Greater Fort Wayne, Inc. Uh, For people that might not be familiar with GFW, we serve as the Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development nonprofit serving all of Fort Wayne and Allen County. And one of the things that we've done for several years is organize inner city visits among community leaders. And what we do is we pick a topic, we pick a community that we feel like has done an extraordinary job 
uh, around that topic so that we can learn and apply some of those lessons learned back home in our work related to community development. Yeah. So this topic is about neighborhood revitalization. Right? Yeah. So one thing that really jumped out to us about Louisville is they've really grown their downtown. They've done a lot with uh, their riverfront development and um, downtown really has, has undergone a renaissance. But Louisville is also a city of neighborhoods and we're interested in learning how the renaissance of downtown is lifting up and creating investment opportunities in the neighborhoods as well. So, Louisville, Kentucky, we're going, we're learning about some of the organizations that have been doing this work. What, what what do we expect from some of the organizations? What, why were some of the organizations chosen? And what's, what's unique about them? And how have they gotten to where they're, they're going? So uh, we've got a great contact down in Louisville. Uh, he's actually um, uh, a architect uh, down there and um, a friend of Dave Scholl, who's on our staff at GFW. And, He's, he's just been a tremendous resource in connecting us with community leaders there. So we're going to be um, stopping in downtown, learning a little bit about uh, the investment that's gone on there. We'll be touring the Nulu and Liberty Green neighborhoods, um, seeing some of the investment that's happened on the east side of downtown, which I think is probably more of a... Um, that was probably one of the first tipping point neighborhoods uh, to attract investment. Uh, and then we will also go over to some south side communities, west side neighborhoods, uh, the Portland District, Park Duval, uh, Hope Six Redevelopment Housing Project. Um, and uh, those west side neighborhoods still have some significant challenges in terms of um, their uh, community development efforts. So we're, we're trying to understand the full spectrum and we'll be meeting with uh, their mayor, we'll be meeting with their Chamber of Commerce, our counterpart down in Louisville. We'll be meeting with some of the neighborhood nonprofits, um, some affordable home builders, um, and some entrepreneurial support organizations as well. Uh, so Louisville was a winner of the Advancing Cities program through the J.P. Morgan Chase Foundation, and it's uh, they put together um, a strategy to uh, all around um, neighborhood development on their west side, and that's something that we're really interested in learning about. We've got a lot of leaders from Southeast Fort Wayne and the city and we are um, really excited to learn about how they've um, moved forward community development in a neighborhood that really uh, shares a lot of similarities to Southeast Fort Wayne. You have a, a sheet of stats. What are some of the other things that are catching your attention as we head into this trip? Sure. So uh, most of downtown and the surrounding neighborhoods of Louisville are in a federal opportunity zone. Uh, we also have that in Fort Wayne. It's a basically a new incentive program to attract investment into historically underinvested in areas. So we're going to learn a little bit more about how they're leveraging that program and um, learn about some of the activity that they're seeing there. Uh, we Fort Wayne and Allen County track similar to Louisville in terms of educational attainment, 
poverty rate, some of our basic community performance issues. They are a little bit of a, a larger community, but um, again, we're just really excited to go and learn about their approach um, and specifically how they're embracing and lifting up their neighborhoods. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. We're on a bus with uh, 30 or more foreign community leaders. Uh, talked about this group. How, what are the type of people that are on this bus? Uh, what are they doing? What's, what's really interesting uh, about what some of their working on as it relates to Fort Wayne? That's, that's, I don't even know where to start with that one because it's such an exciting group. Um, we've got uh, we've got actually just under 50 people. Just under 50, okay. Yeah, some will be uh, joining us down there, but uh, it's kind of a who's who uh, list of, of of bus riders here of people in a wide variety of backgrounds. Whether some are are doing more uh, yep. comprehensive neighborhood development, really yep. starting some new new initiatives. Some are on the peripheral, providing particular parts of uh, engagement around neighborhoods, and then a lot of city and county and government officials. This is a group of people that really care about our community. And we've, so I mentioned we've been doing these trips for several years. Um, a lot of the communities that we've visited in the past, Des Moines, Durham, Greenville, Wichita, many others, um, are more national locations, uh, require flying there, and um, trips are expensive. And, it, and you know, it's, it's more difficult to include our nonprofit leaders or our neighborhood leaders um, at, at higher prices. And so one of the things that John Urban's our CNO, CEO and, and Brenda Gerber-Vincent, um, one of our other vice presidents at GFW, we discussed about, you know, how can we accomplish including a broader base of our community leadership in these trips? And so what we're doing is um, every other year choosing a regional location and Louisville is our, is our pilot of that approach. And so um, AEP, NIPSCO and Community Foundation provided some sponsorship dollars so that we were able to provide um, more access to some um, some of our neighborhood leaders and, and nonprofit leaders as well. So we're really excited. Um, we've got leadership from the private sector. We've got our faith-based community. We've got um, house, uh, uh, Habitat for Humanity and the city of Fort Wayne, the county, uh, NeighborLink, um, many, many groups represented. And um, I'm really excited for for the next two days. Yeah, yeah, I am as well. I'm excited that it's in Louisville. It makes it approachable. Obviously, we are diving deep as nonprofit leaders into our own work and our own unique communities, and so sometimes it's uh, challenging to get outside of that. But when you're doing kind of innovative work that nobody really else wants to do, or diving into some of this work in neighborhoods, it's it can be isolating. And so, being able to go to Louisville, which is really only about four hours away from us to see and to be encouraged and to be affirmed and, and be challenged in some new ways and, and always learn from people that are slightly ahead of us. One of the other aspects of this regional is four hours isn't that very far. So with the groups of individuals on this bus, if there's something that really connects with one of these organizations, accessing them on a, on a real-time basis with limited investment is, is possible. So. That's a great point. I hadn't considered that. Hey. Expanding our networks. It is. It's not that far. Like, 
uh, many of us can get to Cincinnati uh, and get to Louisville a little bit further um, and learn and be able to be more present if there's something in the line. So one of the one of the hard things that I've recognized is oftentimes with community initiatives, especially grassroots ones, we look at them hoping to, to see their value and see what good work they did. And with the idea of what can we what can we do, what can we reproduce, what can we borrow and or license and the model and the ideas. But sometimes that doesn't take into account of the person that created or the team that makes it happen. And so some things don't always translate or you don't get a full picture by just having some conversations over the phone or meeting with them once. Sometimes you need to establish a relationship and see really what the magic is of their model in order to bring it back. Um, and these I think shorter chips is, makes that possible. I think there's value. I mean, seeing really is believing, yeah. right? And uh, I think it's a, that those intangible factors um, that really can spark creativity and just that feeling of what's possible. So. Well, Ellen, thanks for kicking off uh, this aspect of the podcast. We are within this format the next two days. I'm hoping to touch base and record, so I'm gonna come back uh, either on the way home or in the day, couple of days after to hear kind of what are some of your takeaways. All right, Allison, we're recording. Okay. So, uh, Allison Gerardo. Yes. Community Foundation Fort Wayne. Number Hi. one, to start this podcast, and full disclosure, Community Foundation helped make it possible for me and NeighborLink to come along on this trip. Uh, thank you for that. You're so welcome. Where are we going and why are we going here? We are going to Louisville, Kentucky to take a peek at their neighborhoods and all of the cool things that they're doing to uh, help revitalize those neighborhoods. Tell me about, uh, introduce yourself and tell me about the Community Foundation and why the Community Foundation is even interested in going along on this trip. Sure. So I am Allison Gerardo, Vice President of Philanthropic Services at the Community Foundation of Greater Fort Wayne. And we talk a lot about how at the Community Foundation we do three things. So we work with individuals to help make their giving, their personal giving more inspiring for themselves. We make grants for effective nonprofits, and then we work on larger scale community initiatives to help make our community a more vibrant place to live and work and play. And so that third bucket really is the reason why we are most interested. So we are currently in the mix, uh, in the midst of our strategic planning uh, for to set us up for the future, I will say. And uh, neighborhoods continuously throughout our planning process rises to the top and it seems to be a little bit of serendipitous, serendipitous timing that um, it's also something the city's looking at, uh, taking a more close look at um, and some of the other economic development arms of our community are taking a look at. So it all um, seems to be aligning for whatever reason. Parts of our community forward and sure. defining what that role is. Sure. We're on a bus with over 30 community leaders, uh, some business, some nonprofits, some entrepreneurs, and uh, the primary focus of this trip is about neighborhood revitalization, and we're going to go and interact with quite a few different organizations. What does uh, what does neighborhood revitalization mean, and what does that what does it mean to you? 
Big question. Uh, <laughs> well, Andrew, you know, I mean, I've been on the NeighborLink neighborhood bandwagon for a long time, and you and I have had conversations over the time and over the years from... I'm personally very passionate about neighborhoods. I think because ultimately I love the sense of connection um, that neighbors and neighborhoods provide to people. And ultimately, that's really what a lot of, t a lot of the interviews and the questions and things we've been asking and discovering this year uh, through our strategic planning process there's a main theme that keeps coming out, which is your connectivity to the people around you and the relationships that you have in your life that support you. And those things can happen anywhere, but you spend a lot of time at home and in your neighborhood, and if you're not feeling safe and if you're not feeling connected to your neighbors at your core, I mean, that's, there's, there's core, um, Lack, you know, lack of competencies there that need to be addressed, um, and so I think the, the power that neighbors and neighborhoods have to transform people's lives is really underestimated. How does that play out in terms of like? I imagine what we're going to experience. So this is a first trip for both of us to Louisville, and we're going to interact with a lot of organizations. And there's often a lot of discussion around. Uh, the things we can do as organizations or community foundations or funders or entrepreneurs are like big things like economic development or starting new businesses or working on infrastructure and while that's certainly a major part of neighborhood development or neighborhood revitalization uh, you illustrated just in your comment about the social connectivity and the relational connectivity and the qualitative aspects of neighborhood development uh, how do those two play together in your realm uh, as a funder, as a partner, as an encourager to organizations like NeighborLink or any other organization that is on this trip? So, I mean, all of those things work in tandem when we have the right infrastructure and we have the right, um, you know, when we have beautiful spaces and not just functionality, but beauty, and then we have the connectivity of people and the supportiveness of our neighbors. All of those things obviously make healthy neighborhoods, and I think the role the Community Foundation really, um, so we see ourselves playing more and more isn't necessarily that of funder, and it's really that of connector. Um, so a lot of times, we have a unique position in the community in that we are able to see through our grant making but also just through conversations all aspects of our community and not every funder has that. Not every funder can see the arts community as much as they see health and human services community as much as they see economic development. And we really truly see from a bird's eye view the entire community and can then very easily make those connections in not so obvious partners and I think that's what it really takes to make neighborhoods strong is those not obvious connections that can be made and that's really one of the roles that we see ourselves playing yes it's great to have money at the end of the day and at the but that's not what every project needs yeah uh, it's a it's one that's also one of the things we learn a lot of neighborlink in terms of just being the connector that 
much of what it what is needed is the connectivity between people or things or places uh, and ideas and the resources, let alone just uh, us feeling like we have any grand vision of what we can do and fix. Uh, so I'm intrigued to kind of see what's ahead of us. There's some organizations we're going to meet with that have been doing this work for a while. Uh, I'm excited for the collective journey that we'll all be on um, the next two days. Uh, as an individual, I know you and your family live intentionally in a neighborhood and really embrace kind of neighboring philosophies. What is something that you hope uh, that you're coming into this trip hoping you learn for yourself or uh, are most looking forward to? Yeah, um, I mean, I love the opportunity to learn from other communities and other community foundations and just to see what others are doing, especially when they're doing it really well. Um, I'm really excited just to learn how, how it all works, right? How you, it's one thing to say we can connect all of these entities together, but it's another thing to connect them and then have action take place afterwards and actually do a thing with an actual outcome and an output and uh, to know that you're starting to move needles. And so that's the piece I'm really interested in knowing and learning more about is how the needles are being moved and, and what levers you need to pull in order to start to move those needles and make everyone everyone's neighborhood and our entire community stronger. Even if we have a great neighborhood, there's always ways to make it better and to improve it. One of the questions we are asking a lot this year at NeighborLink is what makes a healthy neighborhood healthy? Uh, I'm curious uh, what your take is from your own personal experience as a neighbor um, and maybe your work, like what do you feel like makes a healthy neighborhood healthy? What's sure. Yeah, I mean, I think there's obvi the obvious things like infrastructure, sidewalks, and trees, and just, uh, you know, neat houses assets, and yeah. physical assets. But I go back to uh, if I think about neighbors that I've had in my life in the different areas of Fort Wayne that I've lived. You know, it comes down to there are certain neighbors in your neighborhood and you know who they are and they make sure that you're doing okay. And we have one of those in our neighborhood. We have a couple in our neighborhood. Uh, but I one in particular who, you know, she makes it her job to know all of the neighbors, whether they want to be known or not. And to make sure that they feel okay. And she knows when they have a baby, she knows when they're sick, she knows when, uh, you know, their car breaks down, she keeps an eye out for people's packages or suspicious activity. And it, some people I think would think that's being a nosy neighbor or that's, uh, you know, invasion of my privacy, but it, it, you have to have people like that in your neighborhood to create that sense of connectivity because whether you like it and you want that or not, you feel like someone cares about you. At the end of the day, there is someone, whether you want them to be that person or not, who cares about your well-being and your best interest and that you're taken care of. And I think that that's so important. And so, um, again, it's that connection piece with, with your neighbors, whether that's one neighbor or whether you're having block parties with all your neighbors. It's good to be known. It is good to be known. It, it is good to be known and um, feel like you, somebody cares.
Savannah Robinson. You're sitting now in the in the front seat of the charter bus. This is our new two-story story window as nice we office. drive down the interstate. Uh, tell me about yourself um, and your involvement. You're the current president of Wild Nine. Yeah, so I am from Lexington, Kentucky, and moved to Rome City, grew up on the lake there, and then moved to Fort Wayne in 2004, and found Young Leaders of Northeast Indiana in 2013. So I've only been involved for a short period of time, and very quickly moved through different board level positions and then became the president. This is my second term as president. And I also work for Barnes & Thornburg, which is, which is a law firm in town. I'm the director of legal personnel for all 15 of our offices. Okay. Uh, give us a quick synopsis of what Wild Night is. Sure. So, um, Young Leaders of Northeast Indiana started um, in 2004-2005, and our mission is to attract, develop, and retain emerging leaders through community, professional, and social engagement. So we're really focused on making sure that Northeast Indiana is a place where people want to um, live and, and work and have their families, and, and not just a place where they feel like they're there because that's where they grew up, or they're there just by happenstance. Like they, We want to make sure that they're there intentionally and on purpose. Why did you come on this trip? Um, I, so I always attend these um, inner city trips. I um, do it as a part of GFW and then also for Wild and I specifically. And one of the primary goals is really just to see what other cities are doing and how they've been successful in attracting and retaining talent there or making the city better than it was before. So we can bring that back and do the same things in Fort Wayne and Northeast Indiana. So as you were considering coming to Louisville, uh, what are a few things that you're looking for as we interact with a wide variety of organizations and looking at downtown Louisville over the next two days? Sure, so I think really figuring out who was instrumental in making the changes in that city, what those changes look like, and how did they go about doing them, okay. and then really comparing it to um, to Fort Wayne, Northeast Indiana, and seeing are there things that we can pull away from what they did and implement in our area as well. This is a, a trip with a kind of a focus on neighborhood revitalization or neighborhood development. Uh, curious, what was what? What's your understanding of neighborhoods? Like, what, what kind of neighborhood did you grow up in? Sure. So, um, I kind of grew up all over the place. Now I live um, southwest Fort Wayne, and I've lived everywhere in Fort Wayne. So, I started with downtown before downtown was a cool place to live. So, when I lived down there, there was, I think, two restaurants and nothing was open on the weekends. And now I've really seen that transform and people want to be downtown, they want to live there, and there's a, a sense of connection to it. And I feel like we really have that in Northeast Indiana, and I think we need to continue to, to, to foster that, to help that grow. And we also need to, I believe, help bring the neighborhoods together even more than they are now. So for example, Southeast Fort Wayne, I feel like a lot of people have a tendency to shy away from that. And I really think that going on trips like this and seeing what other cities have done to bring everyone together could benefit our region as well in getting everyone to kind of come together and, and really focus on the neighborhood, but focus on the community as a whole. What are, what are a few uh, real opportunities that Wild and I is working on um, in Fort Wayne that, um, that are getting, getting your guys' attention in terms of kind of the downtown or, or neighborhood redevelopment? So um, Wile and I has been a part of um, the neighborhood redevelopment as a whole. We, um, we sit on one of the committees where we've been able to just provide some input and feedback, but 
bigger than that, one of our focuses under our new strategic plan is really to look at Southeast Fort Wayne specifically and figure out how we branch out beyond just downtown. So we've always supported downtown, we're huge supporters of that, and we always will be. However, we want to make sure that we're reaching more than just people who live and work in that area and that we're really branching out and, and making people, helping people understand that while and I is about young leaders, emerging or current leaders, and it's not just a certain demographic. And so a lot of times we get a reputation that it's lawyers and bankers, and we do have lawyers and bankers on the board. However, we truly believe that every person has the potential and ability to be a leader and can be, and we want to help other areas of our community recognize that and help them get involved. Um, and we want to get involved with that area of the community, all areas of the community, in a way that makes sense for them. We are sitting on a bus with close to 50 people. How many of the people do you ha do you know? Are there, are there certain relationships or certain people you're looking to learn more? Because that's another really great part about these trips is oh, this is a pretty big group of kind of co-collaborators yeah. in Fort Wayne. So I know probably 75% of the people that are on the bus, which is which is great. And then there are some people I'm really, really excited to meet. So Cedric Walker is one of them. So he and I have been trying to meet for the last couple of months, but we haven't been able to make our calendars mesh up. So Nelson Peters actually put us in touch because I was talking with him about Wild and I's interest in Southeast Fort, or the Southeast side of Fort Wayne. And he said, you have to meet Cedric Walker. And so I'm really excited to get to know him more, learn about um, the initiatives he's trying to put in motion and figure out how Wild and I can be a part of that. Well, Savannah, thanks for being a part of this aspect of the podcast. We're going to keep this conversation going, uh, hoping to maybe touch base and or uh, reconnect on the way home or uh, a few days after in terms of like what did we really what did we learn what did we take away and kind of see what we're all learning i'm i'm really excited to see dynamics what we're learning how that fits into some of the conversations that we're all having before we answer perfect thank you so much thanks for doing this well, I'm here with Michelle Chambers. Uh, pleasure to meet you. We are we have arrived in Louisville. Mm-hmm. We are uh, downtown. We just got off the bus. We're enjoying the sunshine. Uh, would love to get to know you. Why are you on the trip? Tell us about yourself and why why did you come on this trip? Well, I came on this trip specifically because currently I'm I'm running for city council at large. Okay. But more so because I had the opportunity to do another trip about six months ago. Mm-hmm. And I know that we have this momentum going in Fort Wayne, but because this was geared towards neighborhoods, yeah. you know, our downtown is, it's growing, it's growing, and I love it, I love it. But I'm really interested in those walkable, livable neighborhoods, looking how we can create neighborhoods within neighborhoods. Sure. So I'm very curious to see, is that what they're doing here? You know, because, um, We have neighborhoods that are um, growing and they're historic. We have neighborhoods that need to grow and they need to love on it a little more, you know? So I'm just very curious what's going on in the neighborhoods here. You've been uh, been in Fort Wayne a long time. You were born and raised here, moved back. Yeah, I moved moved back eight years ago. Eight years ago. My father moved our family, the entire family. I'm the youngest of five. We moved to California in 1976 when I was in third grade. We lived southeast, grew up on Warsaw, but um, Fort Worth was a little different then. He just wanted more for the family and more for us, so 
formative years were in California. I always came back home because my family was here. My grandparents and cousins, sure. they were here. Uh, grandfather is exceptionally active in the community. He was very instrumental in changing lending practices for minority communities and getting people into buying homes. He ran the East Wayne uh, Center for many, okay. many years. So I always came home and I always knew that I was gonna move back to Fort Wayne. All right. Home is where the heart is, yeah. you know. That's well, that's a common, uh, it's becoming more of a common theme in the last uh, few years and definitely a, a push. Uh, people grow up in Fort Wayne, they move away for a variety of reasons and they're returning here. Yeah. Uh, they are finding cost of living and a wide variety of reasons to come back and I think a lot of it has to do with this is where roots and home and home Nothing. feels different when you've grown up in the Midwest. And I love to say that Fort Wayne is the big little city. Sure. You know, um, it's changing. I used to have the attitude, you know, it won't come to you, but you can go out in Fort Wayne and do everything that you can do in Chicago or Indianapolis or Detroit. We have an arts community, you know, we have an abundance of restaurants. <laughs> um, you can uh, really be of service through all the different various nonprofits that are here as well. It is a the big little community that you can afford to live in. Yeah. I like the fact that you know you can actually be a stay-at-home mom or dad. You can actually have a single parent income household and still have a you know a nice and comfortable existence if you're you know making enough yeah. money where one parent can yeah. still stay at home yeah, in sure. 2018 you know 2019 that's not a, a common that's not the common thing nowadays but I like that it's affordable yeah. I like that's a very affordable and the quality of life it's better than most one of the questions we're asking a lot at NeighborLink is the idea of like, what makes a healthy neighborhood healthy? You can look around Fort Wayne, you can look at all the different neighborhoods, and depending on the public perception or the narrative and the discussion that's happening, uh, depends on what your, your essence is with that kind of question. In your, in your mind, what do you feel like makes a healthy neighborhood healthy? I feel like a healthy neighborhood are neighbors that talk, neighbors that are vested in their community, um, a neighborhood, uh, a neighborhood is a neighborhood where people are warm and welcoming. Um, I feel like that we could benefit from the naming of neighborhoods, of all neighborhoods. We really deal in quadrants, southeast, northeast, southwest. Yeah. But we have so many neighborhoods that we could name where you begin to identify and anchor and make people become vested in their neighborhood. People think, oh, it's just a name. But no, it really is an identifier. It's really a sense a pride just like today you know you hear people say oh seven for like oh seven you know because yeah. the oh seven they're making a mark for the oh seven you know so i just think that the naming of neighborhoods is really important because again it creates um, a sense of family and centering that neighborhood and they can work for the good of the community it's an important process for identity we're all connected and very aware of our identity mm -hmm. and the more that we do that work in a smaller setting like a neighborhood uh, the more likely we increase the sense of pride. Right, right. So we're here in Louisville. You have a lot of interest. I think uh, I'm very interested as well in terms of like, what is the neighborhoods like? What's the microcosms? Mm -hmm. Like what's the, what are the smaller things happening within that? What are, what are some of the, the proposed takeaways from, potential takeaways for you like, and the work you're hoping to do? Well, I'm hoping that because although somewhat larger than Fort Wayne, but really not, in reference to square footage, it's not, you know, yeah. square mileage, pardon me. But demographically, I know that they've merged, they share with that they've merged their city and their county where they're getting yeah. more bang for buck. I'm not saying that's something that Fort Wayne has to do, but I'm really looking at 
are they doing like intergenerational things? Are they creating again those walkable, livable communities? Sure. Do we have a, a grocery store that's nearby? Mm -hmm. Do we have a transit sy system that gets into the neighborhoods and be able to provide transportation yeah. for those who don't have a car? Um, do we have safe places for children to play? You know, do they have the park, the pocket parks and things of sure. that nature? You know, central areas for families and people to gather, yeah. you know? Um, are they maintaining the historical aspect of the community? I noticed when I was in Indianapolis, there was a neighborhood that was being revitalized and they had a lot of old Victorians and, and row houses. I noticed that the new homes were being built in the same, same fashion style. as those older ones that were still standing. So, you know, are they having issues with gentrification? You know, the affordability piece, although Fort Wayne is affordable, we do have some lacking in reference to um, the living wage where people are being paid to yeah. live. Then we have a shortage in affordable housing, affordable rentals. Yeah. So what we hear about is Louisville dealing with that crisis, you know, do yeah. they have that as a crisis as well? So how are you dealing with affordable housing for rentals and purchases? Sure. How are you able to maintain the, um, the historic perspective of the different neighborhoods and communities? That's really important to me. And are you creating in a neighborhood and environment where you are making sure we have that intergenerational connection. Yeah. A lot of our seniors, they don't interact. If they're not in a senior home or something yeah. like that, you know, our neighbors checking on neighbors. Yeah. You know, our people, you know, are we, do you have synergy in your neighborhoods? Yeah. Well, we are at a prime time uh, in four Wayne development to be um, really intentional. And the more that we can be aware of the potential negative impacts or when we do X, this Y happens. Preparing for those, like what does what does gentrification look like? Or what does gentrification with justice look like? What does um, generational aspect as you discuss? It has to be intentionally done. It has to be intentional. Uh, getting to know, like, uh, did a community was a community like very intentional, or did that happen organically because um, people wanted it? So right. I'm excited to learn those things I'm, too. I'm so excited. So hope we'll get those good takeaways. You know, I see a lot of um, communities neighborhoods, pardon me, in Fort Wayne that are coming together. But I would like to see it happening across yeah. the city. Even though you come together as a neighborhood, yeah. are we still intermingling and you know getting out and visiting, you know, other neighborhoods and things of that nature. So Danita, what what made you decide to become an adult? Uh, become a township trustee? Well, in 2015, I had a house fire and I lost everything and job loss in that same year and also they downsized at the job and then um, a car accident. Um, and so I had some health issues and didn't have insurance at the time and went to visit some places for assistance and was just in awe for the first time in my life that, you know, I was at a place of need and the services and the way that people were treated wow. appalled me. Yeah. And so um, got to talking to some people, Sharon Tucker, some other people, and you know they were saying you'd be a really good trustee. And I, I'd heard of the trustee office from Jim Winters era and Rick Stevenson, but I didn't really know what it did and how it impacted people. And so I did some research and started looking at it and just got curious. And I took the leap and did it. It's incredible. We often talk about in Neighborlink that we're all a 
a few choices, mm-hmm. a few bad choices, or some life circumstances mm-hmm. away from needing the help of others and or assistance. It sounds like that's been your experience. Oh, it absolutely was, and I tell people all the time, I think that, you know, the reason why I'm in this position is because of the experience and exposure that I had to be having the label of poverty. Because I believe poverty is a state of mind. Yeah. I didn't have the mind because I knew that you know I was educated. There were things that were on the move for me, but I had a season, and that season then gave me a lesson, and so I took it and ran with it. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. So you're on a you're on a bus trip to yeah. Kentucky, uh, along with about 50 other people, mm-hmm. as we come and try to learn uh, from a handful of organizations. What are some of the things you're looking forward to? Why did you come on this particular? I came on this particular trip because I was curious about the um, urban development with Louisville. I had heard about it. I've come here before a young lady, Jill Jordan Green, that's from Fort Wayne, that lived here for a while. Um, I came and visited with her and um, had a great time here. Saw some African-American entrepreneurs that were in the downtown area doing some great work. And so that really piqued my curiosity. Um, And so when they asked me if I was interested in coming, I thought, yeah, because one of the things I'd really like to see is um, more people of color um, getting some businesses in the downtown area, but also moving some and transitioning some things to the southeast side of Fort Wayne. So, What are some of the barriers you see um, along those same lines of uh, people of color, African-American business owners and entrepreneurs? Well, I think part of it is, uh, for one, having a seat at the table where um, access is available. I think people say, you know, well, you know, sometimes they don't apply, but having access to bank loans and um, business plans, things like that, um, those are kind of the barriers that I see. And I also think that just, um, like I said, being a part of the decision making process that's going on in downtown Fort Wayne. Um, Just as it is downtown, I think we could do the same thing southeast. And empowering and equipping them to, equipping us to understand that we belong at the table and the table is um, open for everybody. Yeah. So on this trip, I'm also looking excited to see a variety of different ways Louisville entrepreneurs and business owners and community partners have been kind of revitalizing the neighborhood. I sense uh, some really great momentum in Fort Wayne with a few on this trip that are kind of leading the way for the rest of us. Who maybe on the on the bus are you most excited to kind of get to know over the next couple of days? Oh wow, that's a good question. Irene Walters. Irene Walters. Her and I are on a um, committee with Community Foundation. And she knows my name. She knows a lot about me. Um, and that's what I'm finding, that a lot of people know about me and the work that I do, but I don't know as much as a, about them. And so I'd really like to get to dove into Irene and see, pick her brain. Um, she's a guru of philanthropy and just being a giver, but also strategic planning. Yeah. And so um, when I know that somebody has gifts um, that I would like mine sharpened, I like to sit at the foot of that person and learn. And so she is one that I'm excited to kind of rub shoulder with and get some information from. Fantastic. I I also, like, we can come and we can learn from some others, but there's 50 of us that uh, bring a lot of intelligence and it's often hard uh, to collaborate and spend time and really focus and reach out to one another. So this trip is a good opportunity for us to really think internally and do some of our own community development. 
even if it's 50 of us on the bus. I agree with that statement. Um, part of, you know, I think that w what will help our city if we learn to just cross the lines. It doesn't yeah. have to always be some big plan. Sometimes yeah. it's just simplicity of let's get to know each other and have a different experience. And so um, I can't even think I'm horrible with names with the lady I sat with on the way here. She was awesome. And so just um, talking with people, you know, just getting to know like where you from, what you do in the community. We have people doing amazing work that cross cultures and gender yeah. and social economic levels. And that's the one thing I like about this trip is that all kinds of people at all levels are on this bus. And so to me, right there, we're on a road of recovery. Um, and, you know, because I think once we start putting the, breaking the walls down, then is when we can have real authentic conversation about what our city needs to look like, not on one side of town, but all sides. As you can tell, there were some really dynamic individuals that uh, were on the trip. Um, wide variety of backgrounds, diverse backgrounds, diverse experiences, both personal and professional. And uh, it was great to get to know some of those folks. I hadn't met everyone on that trip, and I met so many incredible people. And uh, for the next two days, was just overwhelmed by the content, um, the conversations we had among Fort Wayne uh, residents and uh, collaborators that were on the trip, as well as all of the individuals that we met. Um, so we'll be back next week with part two as I sit down and talk with the same people about what they learned, what stood out, um, what their hope is for Fort Wayne, what got them excited, and ultimately what kind of questions they have uh, that continue to go on. Plus, we touch base on a few things. Like Part of neighboring is about getting to know your neighbors. And for all of us, there was 50 of us on that bus. And relationships happened. Uh, neighboring happened on that bus um, and throughout the two days in Louisville. So I ask a few questions about, like, hey, did you meet people? Did you? What did you learn from each other? Uh, what are you going to follow up on? So join us next week on another episode of Neighboring as we kind of debrief and get excited about the future in Fort Wayne and what we hope to all be working on. Thanks for tuning in to this episode and uh, going on this journey as we attempt to figure out what makes a healthy neighborhood healthy and figuring out what each of us can do to become a 